Today on the Home Design Academy podcast, we're talking all about bedrooms. Welcome everybody, my name is Chris Novelli from N3 Architecture based out of Hopedale, Massachusetts and welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast where I help people understand design and construction so that they can make better decisions on their projects and communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors. And I know I've mentioned this a few times already, but upcoming this year, we're going to be releasing an ebook. We're going to be starting a YouTube channel, and I hope to be having some really great guest interviews here on the Home Design Academy podcast. I'm in the process of lining some guests up now and coordinating our schedules, and it's going to be great to be able to bring you different types of content and opinions from people other than myself. So welcome to episode 25 of the Home Design Academy podcast. I thank you so much for being here, and I want to say that if you ever have any questions about your project or if you want to learn more about architecture and construction, or if you just have a topic that you are struggling with and you'd like to have me talk about it here on the podcast to answer those questions, just go to n3architecture.com, go to the contact information uh, page. You can find my email address and just send it right out. You can also look for N3 Architecture on all of the social media channels and platforms. And so, As this episode is being published, we have passed the one-year mark for the Home Design Academy podcast. And I am personally excited that even through the pandemic and kids being home from school and me starting an architectural firm on my own and through all the stuff that goes on with life and all the complications of 2020 that we were able to stick through it for a year and publish enough episodes to be consistent enough to have about one episode for every two weeks for a pacing. I know that there was times during last summer and um, a few months ago where I had to take a little break from the podcast, but it's been nice to be able to deliver you some consistent content here. And so we're also coming up on 2,500 downloads. That's about 100 downloads per episode which I know for a lot of podcasters, that wouldn't be very impressive. But for me, to think that that many people are tuning in to hear my rantings about architecture, that's just amazing to me. And just know, I appreciate every single one of you. Every single person who has taken time out of their day to listen to this podcast. And especially to all those who have listened to all the episodes. Thank you very much. So today we are going to be talking about bedroom design, and I'm talking about the primary bedroom within the house, not the kids' rooms or the guest bedrooms or anything like that. I'm talking about the main primary bedroom, and that bedroom is usually one of the focal points for the design. When it, when I'm working on a residential project, there's a couple points within the house. You know, the the master bedroom, the kitchen, the living room. Those are sort of the the anchor points within the house that the rest of the design revolves around. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time here to, to tell you some of the things that I think about and some of the processes that go on 
as I'm designing a bedroom or as I'm designing a bedroom within the greater context of a house and a site. And so if you just go ahead and do a Google search on how to design a bedroom, you're going to get nothing but decorating ideas and painting tips and ways to make it fancier and window coverings and that sort of thing. And so today, me, I am an architect here. We're not talking about interior design. I'm not talking about finishes. Those are all highly subjective and they're not really a part of my focus. And so instead, I'm going to let you know a number of things that you should be thinking of as you're designing the house, as you're laying out the floor plan, as you're thinking about what that space is going to look and feel like. So one of the first things that I want you to think about is your age. How old are you? And how long do you anticipate living in your house? So if you plan on living there until you get to a more advanced age, I want you to really consider placing the master bedroom on the main floor level. Just take a moment and think about how it would feel like walking up and down those stairs at 70, 80, even 90 years old. And maybe you're in your 30s and you're building a first house or buying a first house. Or maybe you're in your 40s or even your 50s and you're looking to build a, a more substantial house or add on. And you can go up and down the stairs with no problem. I want you to think about your parents. Think about your grandparents and what it would be like for them to go up and down the stairs at their age. Because at 30 years old, at 40 years old, you're, you're not even really thinking about what it's going to be like when you're 80. You don't care, right? You're in, you're young and, and in great shape and you can go up and down the stairs no problem. But that's not going to be the case. So if you're going to be 70, 80, 90 years old, 60 year old, years old, and you're going to be thinking that you're going to live in the same house, I want you to cons- really consider putting that master bedroom on the first floor level. So that right there, decision number one, to place the primary bedroom on the first floor level, on the main floor level, sets off a whole series of other design decisions. You know, whether you're laying out the entry to the building or the kitchen or the living room and how everything's going to flow together. Just making that one decision of putting the, the primary bedroom on the first floor creates an anchor point. And so that should be one of the one of the first things that you think about is where is that bedroom going to be located? The next thing I I want you to consider is noise levels. Some people desire complete silence in their bedrooms. They won't be able to sleep if there's any noise. And other people love the noise, whether it's white noise or other noise. They like the noise and it doesn't bother them. And so what type of person are you? Because if you want that complete silence when you're sleeping, or if you're going to be in your bedroom during the day, some people have little desks set up and little office areas in their bedroom or little TV areas where they can sit and watch TV or read a book and be away from the rest of the family and have just a little bit of privacy. If you need that complete silence, well, then you're, you're not going to want to locate your bedroom next to a living room. And so are you the type of person Who likes to go to sleep early while the other members of your family like to stay up late and watch TV? Then again, you probably don't want that primary bedroom next to the living room. However, maybe you have young children 
And maybe you want your bedroom next to the living room so that you can hear your kids when they get up out of bed and they come running down the stairs and they, they go to the turn the TV on. You don't want to be sleeping while your kids are awake and doing who knows what, right? So maybe you, in that situation, it would be appropriate to put the bedroom next to the living room because you want to hear that noise in the morning. You want to be able to hear your kids when they wake up. And the same can be said if the primary bedroom has rooms above it. Some people wouldn't be able to stand hearing their kids jump up and down and hearing that noise through the ceiling and the banging and the jumping. But I worked on this one house one time years ago when this person was very concerned about his teenage kids sneaking out at night. And he wanted the primary bedroom underneath the kids' rooms. With no sound isolation or anything to to inhibit the noise, he wanted to hear if his kids got out of bed at night and walked across the floor. Because he was, you know, this particular person was just concerned about that. And everyone's concerned about different things. And I'm not there to judge. So I put the kids' bedrooms right over the master bedroom. And it made him happy. And that's what it's all about. It's about designing things that will make your clients happy and live the way that they want to live. So the next thing I want you to consider is daylight and natural light. I think if you ask people how they want their house or bedroom or really any other space within their house to feel, and I would be willing to bet you that 9 out of 10 at some point says the phrase light and airy. First off, That phrase is just a big pet peeve of mine, and I cannot stand it when people say it, seriously. And and working in residential design, it's I hear it a lot, right? And I bet you people that say that phrase, oh, I want my bedroom to be light and airy. I bet you most of them don't even know how to describe the qualities that would make something light and airy and why that should apply to a room or why that should even apply to a bedroom or why it should be something different. But that's a tangent for another day. I want you to think about your sleeping habits when it comes to to daylight, right? Are you the type of person who likes to go to sleep early? Or are you the type of person who likes to go to sleep very late? Do you wake up early in the morning or do you like to sleep in? Do you like to wake up to complete darkness? Or do you like to wake up to a sun-filled room? So these are all things that you need to decide. These are all things that you need to tell your architect. And then your architect takes this information and and analyzes what the path of the sun travel is in relationship to the bedroom and the orientation of your house and the site. And then the conditions of the site, is it open to a field or a meadow or are there trees that might block the, the sunlight? And how does all that work together? And how does the daylight work with the way that you want to live? So let's consider some examples here. A person who likes to go to sleep early, let's say 8, 9 o'clock. I know there, there's some elderly people that like to go to sleep even earlier than that. But let's just say 8 o'clock, right? If you like to go to sleep at 8 o'clock, then you probably shouldn't design your house so that the bedroom is on the west side of the house or the northwest side of the house. As during the summer months... It's still daylight out. And guess what? You're going to get some low angle sunlight that is going to shine right in the windows or shine through the blinds. And it's going to make it harder for you to go sleep. Another example would be a person who likes to wake up early. 
or who likes to wake up to a sun-filled room, then in that case, the bedroom should be on the east side of the house or the southeast side of the house so we can capture that morning sun and bring it into the bedroom, right? So that you can wake up easier and you can wake up with the, the light, you know, in the room. And it's the opposite. If you're someone who likes to sleep late, then place your bedroom on the west side of the house to avoid that morning sun. And all of these examples, of course, it needs to take everything into account. Where is the road? Where is the entry to the house? Where is the entry to the site? What's the orientation, the flow from the other rooms? It all has to fit together and work as a system. But you take these key moments like the bedroom and the living room and some of the other spaces and those become the anchor points. So how do you want to live? Okay, you know, you're a person who goes to sleep at late at night and they have to and you have to wake up you know early relatively early to go to work but on the weekends you like to sleep in so okay i'm going to put your bedroom on the west side of the house because sure you have to wake up uh for work but i want that bedroom to be nice and dark for you for the weekends for when you want to sleep in and so along with daylight you have to consider where are the views does your lot have a nice view do you want your bedroom to capture that view or do you want the view to be, you know, is it more appropriate for that view to be in a living room or a, or a dining room? Do you have neighbors close by? You know, are you on a very narrow lot with the houses stacked upon each other? In that case, maybe you don't want the bedroom on the side of the house that's facing the neighbors. What about prevailing winds and the way that you like to sleep? Do you like to sleep with the windows open and get a nice breeze going in, well then maybe you should orientate your bedroom so you can capture those prevailing winds. Now chances are when an architect is designing your house, they're not gonna be able to accommodate every single request, right? You're not gonna be able to say, oh, I want my bedroom to have a perfect view and capture the prevailing winds and block the uh, morning sun and have uh, an orientation away from the living room, chances are, unless it's the perfect scenario, not all of those requirements are going to be met because there's only so much you can do, right? So think about what's important to you. Is it more important to you to sleep with the windows open and capture those winds or is it more important to wake up to a dark bedroom. Let's move on to talking about ensuite bathrooms and closets or walk-in closets because that's part of the, the primary bedroom, right? And I think most people who are designing a house with a master suite sort of setup with a private bathroom and the walk-in closet would want those spaces to be just as nice, if not nicer than any of the other places in the house. But oftentimes in residential design, these spaces, the master bathroom, and the walk-in closet, they're placed in these leftover spaces that are in between the bedroom and the living room and other rooms. And for every good layout that I see, I see 20 bad layouts, right? I see all these, these layouts and all these plans where you just get these awkward leftover shapes and spaces and it just doesn't work and you know some people will love it because they only care about the what color their walls are painted in the ceramic tile on the floor right that's all they care about but for me I want to see those spaces designed with just as much importance as the bedroom itself think about it for a second there though 
The primary bedroom is usually an ideal spot with windows on at least two if not three of the walls and the bathroom in the closet just gets jammed into the leftover spaces. So I think this is an area where talented architects are separated from the drafters and the plan services where you just order a plan online. So creating a layout where everything functions properly and the bathroom and the closets have a a good layout, that's a very tedious process, especially when you're working with site constraints and setbacks and the entry to the house and where the views are and where the light daylight is, it becomes a very tedious process. And, and a lot of drafters out there, you know, not to knock on drafters, but a lot of drafters out there just use the leftover spaces and move on with their day. Okay. Let's talk about laundry rooms. One of the, ne- one of the newer trends where at least in the last 10 to 15 years has been either to place the laundry room next to the primary bedroom or adjacent to the walk-in closet, maybe with a second door that goes directly from the, the laundry to that closet. And so just like the bathroom and the closet, this is a tr- it's a tricky thing to lay out the laundry room without having an awkward plan layout. And But the laundry, you know, maybe it's not as important to some people as the master bed, the master bathroom is, but it still is an important place within the house. And while it's nice to have the laundry close to your bedroom, you also have to consider how everyone else will use it and how far everyone else that lives in the house is going to have to walk and carry their laundry basket. Or, you know, maybe you don't care. Maybe you just want the laundry close to your closet and everyone else, they can carry their stuff throughout the house and it doesn't bother you. Noise from the laundry room should also be a concern. You know, going back to, you know, if you use your master bedroom as a place where you sit and read, maybe you don't want to hear the washing machine and the dryer going. Another thing that you have to consider is that the laundry should also be located on an outside wall for proper venting of the dryer. And there's limitations to how far of a distance you can span with your dryer vent. And this could complicate things further as you know, if you're locating the the master bedroom on a space where you have windows on two or three sides of the room and you want your bathroom to have nice uh, uh, nice daylight or at least a window on it and maybe you want a window in your walk-in closet as well. So where does the laundry room fit into all this? Because the, the laundry has to have that that outside wall or at least a close proximity to it to run the dryer vent. So it becomes this little puzzle, right? That has to be solved. And I've come up with a few tricks over the years to make this work. And again, it's just one of those things that separates a licensed architect from a drafter. Next, let's talk about hatchet bedrooms. If you've never heard the term hatchet bedroom, and you probably haven't, that comes from a Dallas-based architect named Bob Borson. And Bob runs the Life of an Architect blog and the Life of an Architect podcast. And Bob, I've heard him explain hatchet bedrooms many times throughout the years. And so he explains it as a hatchet bedroom is a bedroom where the only place to put your bed is with the head of the bed right next to the door. And Bob goes on to say that, you know, in this made up scenario, if someone was to break into your house at night and sneak through and they had a hatchet and they quietly opened the door and then swipe and you'd get cut with the hatchet before you even knew what happened. So... Ever since I heard Bob talk about that, 
anytime I lay out a bedroom, whether it's a uh, single family residential or even an apartment building or a senior housing, I always think, make sure it's not a hatchet bedroom. So all joking aside, this gets to the point of when you're designing your bedroom or any other room in the house, you need to consider the actual dimensions of the furniture you will be putting in there and actually show the furniture on the floor plan. You can't just assume that, oh, I've got a 12 by 15 bedroom and that's plenty of room for my bed and my nightstand and my dressers because it may not be. It all depends on where all the doors are. You know, where's the entry door into the bedroom? Where's the entry door into the closet and to the bathroom? Where are the windows and everything else that goes along with it? You may end up with only being able to put your bed in one spot or your dresser in one spot. And so your architect should be talking to you about your furniture. If you're using the furniture that you currently have or if you're buying new furniture, what sizes, how many pieces, how do you want to use the space, etc. And then they need to show that furniture on the layout on the plan so it can be discussed. And what's even better is, especially with kids' bedrooms, is having a bedroom work where you can have furniture laid out in multiple different ways. And just make sure that none of those furniture layouts results in a hatchet bedroom. So that wraps up another episode of the Home Design Academy podcast. I hope that you've learned something and enjoyed yourself along the way. Make sure you subscribe and you leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Please visit n3architecture.com for more information. Please visit n3architecture.com. Go to the contact page. Find my email address. Send your questions to me. I will answer them. I will reply to you. Thank you very much.